Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Unexplained World Internet Radio Broadcast with your host, Edward Shanahan, a paranormal, spiritual observer, and psychic reader, along with Annette, a high priestess and psychic reader. The Unexplained World is a location where the border between the natural and supernatural may become nothing more than fuzzy, so enjoy. Hello listeners, welcome to the November 4th broadcast of the Unexplained World with your host Ed Shanahan, that's me, and Annette. Hello Annette, how are you doing? Annette, Annette, you there Annette? Okay, I'm not picking up no Annette. Okay, um, first of all, let's see, Ann, are you there? I am here. Okay, Annette has vanished. I got her on, uh, I got her here. And then if you can hear me, uh, hang up and call back. Okay, I got you. Okay. All right. Our guest tonight, until Annette gets back, is Ann Catherine, and the subject is one based on what I came across in the book Destiny of Souls, a book that I've been talking about and pushing on our website. And what Anne has come across also in her practice, and Anne, let me. And Anne, your practice is being a hypnotist, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. One second, Annette, are you back? I'm here. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Wonder what happened. Oh, good. I I don't know what that was. I apologize. Anne, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, uh, Anne, and uh, basically the subject is souls and their journey, the universal. Um, connection beyond 3D. And what, okay, Destiny of Souls and basically what you do in uh, doing hypnosis, what, explain to the listeners what it involves and what you've come across. Well, basically, <clears throat> what it is is you use hypnosis and um, there's a regression technique that can be used and it will take people back and if you can, usually, you know, some people will say it can take up to an hour to get people into the appropriate state to where they can go back to the period between lives. So it's not just past life regression. It actually goes beyond that. And that's what this book talks about. And Michael Newton, what he has done in this book is he's illustrated um, his experience and his practice and what he has come across with the regressions and some very common experiences that are being reported by these people who are in what's referred to as like a superconscious state. And that's what they're actually tapping into is like the superconscious universal mind. And we're not we're not talking just a hundred people. We're talking thousands. 
Yes, that with, he's, with, with yeah. similar experiences, they're reporting the same things. Uh, there's a, a great amount of consistency with these accounts that people experience while they are in uh, the hypnotic state. And what brought you into delving into this area? Well, it was kind of um, like a personal experience, kind of a wake-up, um, you know, with spirituality and, and paranormal things. If you wouldn't mind talking up this a little bit more. I'm sorry? If you wouldn't mind just speaking up this a little bit more. Okay. Um, what brought me to this path was basically my own spiritual path and the personal experiences that I've had. And um, what I began to discover, um, you know, hypnosis is a wonderful thing, and it can be used in so many ways. And as the facilitator for regression, you know, we have the ability to help people bridge, you know, the source of, of the origin of, of where our spirits and our energies come from and, and how it affects us while we're trying to live here and, and function in basically what's a, an ego-based kind of place. And, you know, based on the accounts in this book, we are given the lines between where we come from and where we are now. And it kind of draws a comparison to enable us to understand, you know, the source of where we come from and what we really are. You know, we're not negativity and hurting other people. That's not what we're here for. And this book really explains the connection that we have to the source and what the purposes of all of us are being here. And that jump in anytime you want. <clears throat> yeah, Anne, can you touch on any of that? Can you give us a little sample of what you mean by where we come from or explain some of those terms? Yes. yes. Um, as illustrated in this book, and there are other books like this um, that touch on, you know, the exact same stories, the same accounts by other hypno uh, hypnotherapists that have encountered these things. And this is not just something that has come with the New Age movement, as some people refer to it. You know, this is something that's been going on for a long time. And it even touches on the book, which I believe as well, that a lot of what we have heard as history or folklore or different things like that are actually soul memories. And what happens um, when people are regressed to this point, to the lives between lives, you know, they go to a place, they all describe the same kind of journey, you know, going through the tunnel. We've all heard of this in people who have had, like, near-death experiences and things like that. It's yeah. very similar what is reported by people under hypnosis. And they go through the tunnel, and there's a process that people go through in between lives. It's like a cleansing. And the book is very descriptive in telling us exactly what these processes are and what an organized kind of hierarchy that exists. You know, everything here might seem random and chaotic and, you know, no reason, no explanation. But what this book gives us is an analysis of the reasons why things are what they are here. Very interesting. The, Absolutely. Um, the, Absolutely. The, I was amazed. It was like, believe it or not, the book sat in my shelf for almost six months. Right. And for whatever reason, I think it was after I had that dream uh, that I was dead, that I took it out. And that you remember me calling you that morning off. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was like when I opened this book up, especially Chapter 3 when I got to it, Everything I've been kind of saying, which was internal knowledge, was basically right there. Boom. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people find that. <clears throat> you know, these types of books serve as a point to go beyond what we're conditioned to believe here. You know, a lot of people have beliefs or feelings that don't necessarily 
fall in line with what we're taught to be is I'll call a Christian society. You know, mm-hmm. we're supposed to believe in heaven or hell, and there's really not anything in between except purgatory. And there are a lot of people who have had feelings and inklings and different experiences that have enabled them to feel differently. And these kinds of books serve as a huge validation for people, and it gives them the okay, the go-ahead, to go ahead with their beliefs and explore their spirituality separate from religion. And do you think in your research and in, in your uh, on your path, do you find that more people are more willing to to experience that, to see beyond conventional religions? Absolutely, absolutely. It's the age of awakening. I really believe yeah. that. I really believe that. You know, if we look back throughout history, we can see patterns in the way that we've evolved, not just in an emotional context, but in a spiritual way as well. You know, we've gone through the very tight-knit, very dictatorship kind of religious periods. And mm-hmm. I think that we've grown, you know, as we'll call it like an evolution of the soul, to embrace the truth. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are, are really <clears throat> realizing that, and it's changing their lives for the better. You know, they're able to put into perspective that, no, not everything is chaotic. There is an order to it. <clears throat> you know, we're here. We walk our path. It's a choice that we've made prior to coming here. And that's also what this book touches on as well. It illuminates the fact that we have certain lessons that we are here to learn as a soul, not just as a person, but as a soul and a body. And it gives people a lot of validation in decisions that they've made that might not be conventional, but that resonate with them. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Mm-hmm. It gives people hope and it enables them to be able to embrace what they want to have in their lives and what they want to express to other people. And I think that's a wonderful thing. And it's not something that comes with rules, regulations, you know, like some of these um, belief systems are very rigid <clears throat> and they don't leave a lot of room, you know, for thought, for feeling. It's just the way it is. And I think that this book exactly, it does, it's a validating um, experience for people to read about these wonderful things that occur that once we die, we're not really dead, that the spirit continues to live on. And, you know, and ama- people- the, go ahead. No, go Sorry. ahead. The amazing thing about it is it's not just the author coming up with these thoughts. No. It's not just you coming up with these thoughts. Right. Um, it's basically you guys have had no choice but to look at it because of what people are saying or coming or reporting in this hypnotic state. Right. And it's, you know, it's not like oh, I'm going to sit down and write a book and, oh, this is what I think. No, this is what's being told to me, and I cannot, you know, Absolutely. the only thing I could do is go with the flow. It's just like I always preach that all the paranormal researchers, investigators, psychics, whatever, Okay, when you start your resource or researching, and you're starting out in this field, go to um, go to the source for information, and it's all over the internet, and it's the people who've gone through near-death experiences, basically people who've died and come back. Absolutely. They're you know they're like your first source of information. Right. You know, and that's the dynamite thing about the book. It's the dynamite thing about what you're saying, Ann, is you're not just coming up with these thoughts. These thoughts have been told to you. Right. 
Right. People have experienced them. There's a huge similarity between innumerable cases. And, I mean, I think it's really something that people need to look at. If it's not something that they are willing to embrace at this point in their lives, it's definitely something to consider learning more about. <clears throat> you know, I think people might be surprised, you know, after picking up this book, how many of the things that they thought might be true, you know, are really being expressed by people in an experience that they're having on their own. No one is controlling it. You know, the hypnotherapist or the regressionist is simply facilitating they're getting these people in a state to where they can get in touch with their soul, with their energy, with their essence. And they're all reporting, you know, the same the same kinds of experiences. You know what I find so wonderful, Anne, is that when, oh, let's say someone like me who's not been through this type of a regression hears out loud that it, it's, it seems so mind-opening that it probably just allows my soul's journey to be able to... Oh, evolve so much faster and be more open to doing the work that my soul was meant to do that I designed for it to do Mm -hmm. and move on to, you know, higher evolution, (laughs) you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I think um, that kind of a validation, it enables people to have more love and compassion and acceptance for other people. Mm. You know, when we realize that we have a purpose here and that it's for something positive, it tends to give us some incentive and some positive motivation to do things that maybe perhaps we wouldn't have done otherwise. And something I've heard in the past um, is that, you know, when we're in these lifetimes, we sometimes experience negativity, oh, by other people or by events, etc., and that those negativities are set up so that we may learn or evolve. Do you agree with that? I do. I absolutely do. And I think sometimes in that capacity, when we're looking at things that are hurting us, you know, no matter how bad or terrible or awful or tragic an event might seem, I think that there is an order to it and there is something positive that can be taken from that and given to make something greater. And, oh, let's just say, for example, you know, my next-door neighbor, oh, you know, sues me for a million dollars over a dog bite or something silly where you really just think, oh, that person is out of their mind and how could they do this to me? But it's so that I may learn forgiveness or that I may learn, you know. Absolutely. Right. Right. Or, you know, if you had that kind of money and then after they sued you, you didn't have any, it might be a lesson in humility. Right. I mean, it's absolutely something individual. And I think, you know, it mentions quite a bit in this book about soul groups. And I know that there are a lot of people who can't identify with that you know there are certain people that you feel a certain kindred communication with and that i was just about to ask you about that okay (laughs) yes it really means a lot to people when they realize that there are things called soul groups and that these people when they're going into these regression life between life sessions they're able to connect all of the seemingly random links and make it one big hole that people can identify with and understand and take into and make a part of themselves There's also a discussion in the book about, let's say, um, how somebody may have harmed people in their lifetime, Mm -hmm. okay? When they come back, Annette, they actually put themselves in the position of being a person harmed in the next lifetime. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the self-learning experience. Mm-hmm. And out of love, that other person may learn, right? Absolutely, and you know that 
that ties into a lot of the belief about karma. <clears throat> you know, you will hear sometimes people say, oh, well, I don't want to do this because that's going to be bad karma. But what karma really is, it's not something negative. It means whatever you put out, you're going to get back, whether it be positive or negative. And I think sometimes we get so fixated on the negative, we forget to put out the positive, and then we forget how to receive. You know, we're used to other people's negativity, and then we become closed off. And at that point, not only are we closing off our strong connection to our source, we're blocking out all of the wonderful positive things out there that are waiting to happen to us that will help us along our path, whatever it may be. So what you're saying is by, uh, let's say you've got a lot of negativity around you, by shutting yourself off, becoming numb to basically human race, you're shutting yourself off to... To love. <clears throat> yeah. To giving, yeah. to receiving, all of those things that make us human and make us souls. So often when I read people, I have to constantly remind them, you know, the whole world is not here to beat you up. You have to look, start looking for the small things if that's how you start building. Start looking for the small positives, you know, the pennies from heaven kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you can build from that, from that up. You know, start baby steps, see the good things in life, and then work your way up into experiencing bliss at all times. Absolutely, and I absolutely believe that that's something that can be attained by all of us. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes we get stuck in the why me cycle. That's not why we're here, and we have the power to change things. You know, we have the power to control where we're at, what we're feeling, what we're willing to accept from other people. And the more, I believe, we fixate on the positive aspects of what makes us us, you know, compassion, acceptance, things like that, the more it will benefit not only us but everyone who comes into contact with us. And then those people in turn will serve to positively influence other people. It's like a domino effect. You know, what people really need in in this day and age is acceptance, and they need inspiration, and they need to know what it's like to have someone who cares about them or shows them compassion. And instead of doing that as a society, you know, we get so hung up on the negative, you did this to me, I'm going to do it back to you, and that's not what Mm. it's about. And this book definitely illustrates a lot of the concepts about the life between life, the cleansing period, and the reshaping, you know, like a repatterning that we go through before we come back. And you would you what's your opinion? We do all this why? Well, to present ourselves back to the source that it may contain higher evolution. What do you think? What's your thoughts? Um, I believe that we all walk a path. It might be at a different rate, um, rate, or it might be you know whatever, encountering different lessons. I believe mm-hmm. that we plan our lessons that we feel we need most at that point in our evolution as a soul, mm-hmm. and. You know, we're all going to get to where we need to be eventually. But we also, at the same time, and it's also in this book, we have free will. If we don't want to come back into an earthly body, we don't have to. Mm -hmm. But at that point, we're not progressing. It's almost in that, like my um, pre, pre, uh, what was this? Pre-life of the soul? Yeah. Oh, you're so dead on with that. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to have to send you that article, too, that I wrote. And uh, pre-life of a soul. Um, That was about two years ago. I mean, when I opened this book, it was like, wow, this has confirmed a lot of things that I was saying. Another interesting thing, and I, I, you know, I tell investigators, pick up this book, you know, uh, learn, you know, go to the sources. Here's the sources. 
mm-hmm. instead of guessing and figuring and everything else. Um, another part of the book, they talk about demons right. and, you know, um, how actually, and I'm throwing this out to you in that too, uh, just for somebody to talk to. Um, it talks about how they, people that believed in demons and all this other stuff, once they put them into this regression, and once they went back, why don't you tell them, why don't you say, Ian, what, oh, you know, okay. what um, they found out? There is a particular part in this book. It talks about a man who, while he was in his regression for Life Between Lives, he had been a preacher in a, in a past life, and he really, in his own mind, saw demons, and he preached to his congregation about demons everywhere, how he saw them and everything else. And then he realized that once he was out of that body and in the Life Between Life period, for regeneration that what he was doing he wasn't helping people he was scaring people into believing what he was saying and he realized that you know the fact that you know he saw demons he felt demons or whatever that that's not really what it was and that it was something that he converted basically to emboss his own power as a preacher Mm -hmm. in front of a congregation so he realized you know the air of his ways basically in the life between lives and you know it it was very validating for him on a personal level, and it illustrates that in this book, um, how many things that we realize when we're doing the review, you know, after, you know, physical body death, how many things make sense, and how many how many truths that we realize. And um, can you give us any experiences that of of maybe clients that you had? And, um, um, and is there something without saying names? Is there something in particular that you? Um. Let's let's. Ah, uh, Annette, you have anything particular? Well, you know, I'm I'm with the big questions. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. And I would love to know when um when someone that you're working with feels, or I shouldn't say that, when a soul gets to its final lifetime, is there such a thing? Would yes. you say? Yes. Yes. There yes. Are certain, yes. There are certain positions that people hold in what we'll call the spirit world, to where they're no longer incarnating, in that they're taking more of like a supervisory or management role, basically. Now, mind okay. you, it's a hierarchy, but there's no level is one is any better than the other. Just like with the soul groups, you know, different colors are like a trademark of these different soul groups, and they're at different levels of evolution, but not one is any better than the other. And the hierarchy progresses up, 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 up until yes. it becomes back one with the source? Well, what's illustrated in this book, um, and Newton does specifically say that there has been a stopping point where he has gotten to with, with his clients that they only, he's only had the experience of having people so far up in the hierarchy and I understand. so much okay. knowledge. So there seems to be limits as to you know, how much is divulged. Oh, sure. Okay. Something else that I found interesting, too, um, you know, the souls as they evolve, you know, they retain special talents and different things and things that they're best suited for. There's healers, there's, you know, protectors, things like that. And there are special roles, and it's illustrated also in this book, um, specifically what they do and how they all work together in helping all of us souls to keep, you know, on an organized basis and, you know, to continue evolving and healing and learning and growing and sharing. So in all our lifetimes, we might all assimilate a teacher as a teacher or assimilate as a healer. Right, 
Right. Interesting. It is interesting. It's really great. You know, here on 3D, we know that we have special talents and whatnot. And I just thought it was an interesting parallel to see that, you know what, you retain these special characteristics of who you are no matter where you go and when you go. Now, would you say that we experience lifetimes one at a time? Or are there layers of... No. Okay. Um, Multidimensional. Okay. Is the term that's normally used. And, you know, the Egyptians also believed it. In this book and in the other books, like it was similar research that has been published, a small portion of our soul stays there in the spirit world where the source is. Mm-hmm. It never directly comes into contact with the source, but it's always there. And in the meantime, we might be here, we might be there, and we might be somewhere else. Like I said, the Egyptians also believed that the soul was divided, and this book validates that concept. So these ideas go back basically to the beginning. And it also states in the book, let's say a person's in a coma yes. type of state. A portion of the soul may remain in their body, mm-hmm. but yet it may still leave. Yes, absolutely. The body. Yes. <clears throat> Which is very interesting. Very interesting. And two, with the birth. You know, in this book, in Newton's experience, it's been, you know, usually it's about three months into a pregnancy that a soul will inhabit a fetus. <sighs> and that also ties in to um, there are certain hypnosis programs that people will use for miscarriages or if they need to terminate a pregnancy to, you know, to get into contact with an energy of whatever, you know, whatever energy isn't going to inhabit that fetus. And, you know, in the hypnotic state, these people are able to um, gain a contact, they're able to communicate, they're able to express, and it, and it makes for a good resolution, and then they can have closure, and then they go on. Wow. Very yeah, interesting. It is a good book, and I... <laughs> Um, the other thing it talks about is there's no hell, okay? There's no, no purgatory. There are, um, though, the, um, like the self-imposed isolations when yeah. after an incarnation the souls feel that they need a period of rest and to be alone. Yeah. Um, the dream, the dream aspect of this book was also very interesting, how we received messages from our loved ones. Now, I didn't go that far. I didn't get that far yet in the book. Okay. And, okay. you know, if you want to explain it, I'd love to hear it because, you know, me being dead uh, was a... I, well, especially with all your relatives talking to you all the time, you know. Yeah. So why don't you go a little bit further into that, Anne? Okay. Um, with the dreams, there are sections in this book that um, actually illustrate, um, you know, people when they're in the regress state going to that life between lives, they tell of the sequence and how they and, and basically interject themselves in a loved one's dreams to either convey to them a message or a feeling or something. They also explain how they are able to infuse objects and different things with energy by way of smells, pictures, feelings, different things. It's very interesting. You know, a lot of us have had dreams about those who have passed over from their bodies here. And, you know, we just chalk it up to an imagination or whatever else. It's just very interesting how in this book the, the techniques that are used by the souls to do this are expressed. I have to read further. Um, wow. Anne, thank you so much for being our guest tonight. I'm not trying to cut you off, but I'm just, I'm, I'm speechless. This is wonderful. <laughs> it is wonderful. It is wonderful. I was glad to be able to be a part of the conversation. Well, you are still got 32 minutes, so don't think you're leaving oh, yet. Oh, right. I, like I said, I'm, I'm just I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> oh. There's, a, there's, a, there's a thing, Anne, that um, 
when I'm doing my readings, the uh, with the items of loved ones who've passed away. Uh-huh. Okay, the conscious channeling mediumship is Annette Belize maybe. Um, if I'm in a location that's known for its spirit activities, uh-huh. okay, uh-huh. I'm pretty much 100% on. Okay, beyond you know information, I'm telling that I'm going wow yet. And I actually believe it's being in that situation of location uh-huh. that I'm being assisted in oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. the knowledge. I agree. I agree that that's very likely possibility. See, because what everybody forgets, and I say this often, is we're, we all have souls, okay? And we all came from, you know... <sighs> the world of the spiritual side. Uh-huh. We're now a living soul. Right. But we will, again, be a spiritual soul. Right. So uh, there should be, uh, you know, you should concentrate more on the tie-in uh, yeah. to that. Uh, there's, there's also a great section in the book here about angels. Um, what people have seen, you know, a lot of people have seen angels, you know, okay. whether it be during a near-death experience or during a regression or just with their naked eye. And what mm-hmm. that has been shown as in this book is, yes, they appear as angels, you know, with the wings and the halo. Some of that just might be conventional thinking, you know, back from the Middle Ages is yeah. when those images really came about. Um, but what it actually is, these beings really are in the robes, and they're surrounded by so much light. And, you know, that's what we've seen in, in, in the paintings and the different things that are left over from these times past. And, and, you know, again, this is all, you know, soul memories and, and whatnot, where all of these images and ideas come from. And it's just interesting to know that what we consider to be an angel, you know, is a definitely a real possibility. So an angel might be better explained by one of these souls that's gone on to a supervisory position, let's say? Mm-hmm. We could, some, you know, some of them are guys or are guys. Okay. I'm going to have to email you a uh, photo tomorrow. That I caught at Archer Woods. Um, majority of people says it looks like an angel. It's during the day. Mm-hmm. There ain't no, uh, there ain't no taking a picture at night and the flash being involved or anything like that. So I'll email that to you. Um, I mentioned in the past um, about the individual that where I work at. He died. Actually, died when they got at to him. He was dead. They brought him back, and. Um, I kind of talked to him face to face, and I brought up the subject of my, you know, my dream, and he went right into his experience. And all I could say, and I told this to Annette before, it was the most beautiful thing to witness, because when the guy started describing, he's only thirty-eight. It's not like he's, you know, was sixty, seventy, eighty years old. But when he's describing what he was, what he experienced, it was like he was looking right through me, like he was looking at a big screen, and his whole face became calm and beautiful. And I, I and why I say beautiful is the calmness I see, and it's something, unless you experience it, and I'm sure you experience stuff, Ian, okay, with the people you've done regression with, you cannot even, you know. I think you could tell this by why I say why I'm explaining it. It was just a you know an experience that it was just an experience to see, right? right. Yeah, like an immediate like a transformation right before your eyes. 
Yeah, because this is a big, burly, burly guy, and all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, it was like, wow, you know. And you felt so good, for, or I did anyways, felt so good for him that he was able to, you know, just to see this kindness come across him. And, like, uh, someday, you know, he'll welcome the ability to go back. Right, right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, too, like the regression to the life between lives, people, some people have a very terrible fear of death, of getting old, and, you know, all of those things tie in together. You know, it can be considered a phobia, and it might turn into somebody who's constantly seeking out plastic surgery, cosmetic surgery, you know, things like that to kind of fight off or to find the fountain of youth, basically. Mm-hmm. Sometimes these regressions act as a catalyst to help them realize that it's nothing to be afraid of. So it can be used in a lot of different capacities. And there are a lot of hypnotherapists, there are people who call themselves spiritual regressionists, and these people are using these um, techniques to facilitate these, you know, understanding these wonderful things that are helping people to better live their lives and to, and to spread a positive message to other people. And it's just absolutely wonderful. You know, and it's not conventional. And it does go against our programming. But, you know, <laughs> some of us have had experiences that do not negate what sounds crazy. And to a lot of people it does. It's unorthodox. But these are real experiences that people have had not just like you mentioned earlier, one or a hundred. There are thousands and thousands of people who have had the same experiences. So yeah. like I said earlier, it's definitely something that, if you don't believe it, should you know, at least consider it, learn a little bit about it. And the author actually just stumbled across this. He didn't even, yeah. It was not intentional. And no. It, and he states in there, it, you know, he is not a religious person, and a lot of what he has experienced and recorded do not go with his, you know, belief system. But what is what is, you know? Yeah. So I think that's a good point to bring up, too. I'd like to take the next couple minutes to uh, announce what I have coming up and what we have coming up. Um, tomorrow night, which is Monday, from 5 to 9 p.m., a new time, uh, I'll be doing readings at Champs in Burbank. It's 6501 West 79th Street. That's approximately seven blocks east of Harlem Avenue on 79th. Uh, it's a Gift donation, there's no set fees. I do the POM, I do uh, one-on-one psychometry. And also, if you bring an item of a loved one who's passed away, I will attempt to uh, do the conscious channeling to tap into them and see what we could bring up. Um, Then December 10th and 11th, there's still openings for the daytime and evening, not the overnight session, but the daytime and evening sessions. At the um, Haunted Bread and Breakfast near Star Rock, Illinois, this is a Beyond the Veil event with me and Ursula Bielski. What I would suggest is go to the unexplainedworld.com and click on the events section, and you can find out more details there. So you don't have to spend the night. You could just spend majority of the day and evening. And um, so... That's sad. It's Haunted Woods. There's going to be tours and stuff like that and the Haunted Bread and Breakfast. And uh, Annette, I got a new website. Listeners, I got a new website. The domain name is edwardshanahan.com. That's edwardshanahan.com. Uh, I was, it was suggested that I do it, create it, because uh, it makes it a lot easier for people who are just searching Edward Shanahan to come across it than the unexplained world. And you got a web 
web page and stuff. You want to give it a yes, mention? www.brightenyourlight.com. Okay. And you also have a Yahoo group, and the Yahoo group's name is? Uh, Spiritual Self-Healing. Okay. At Yahoo and, group. And I just posted on there about 8 o'clock. I don't know if you noticed it yet, but I yes. posted what you suggested. So. Absolutely. Uh, and Annette, Annette does past life readings. Uh, you do it by way of phone calls. Annette, you want to give them my uh, email address? Absolutely. You can reach me at fairyring at hughes.net. That's F-A-I-R-Y-R-I-N-G at hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S dot net. Tarot and past life readings. Yeah, and our next broadcast will be in two weeks. We haven't determined yet who the guests will be or the subject matter, but uh, if you go to the website, Either one, the Unexplained World or EdwardShanahan.com, and uh, join the Owl Group. Um, you will eventually get a listing of what's coming up. Annette, do you have any? Um, I know you're you love this topic. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, Anne, um, I just made a little note when we were talking about haunted places and so forth. Um, we have a lot of dialogue at Unexplained World about um, ghosts or spirits that are evil or negative or scary or what you might consider spooky. Any thoughts on that kind of a entity? Uh, well, people have definitely experienced things like what you're describing. Sure. Uh, so I definitely think that that's something that we should acknowledge. In the way of my personal opinion, I believe that sometimes, <clears throat> you know, I personally do not believe that we have spirits that do not know they're dead. I believe okay. that once they pass, they know they're, you know, that they know that they're no longer in a body. Sometimes they're just not ready to go. And, and the book talks about that in detail, too. Yes, it certainly does. Yeah. And it does a really great job of illustrating, you know, what these experiences actually are and why they're occurring. And these um, perspectives actually come from people who have um, been a ghost, what we would consider a ghost or a spirit, you know, whatnot, you know, people who are not ready to move on. So it, it really draws a lot of light to a kind of a muddled topic. You know, a lot of people have different opinions. Some people have had experiences with paranormal activities. Some people haven't. And, you know, between all of those groups, there are a lot of different theories. But basically, you know, it is something that does happen to people. Um, and it's definitely, you know, individual, it's unique. You know, different things might come out of it. But I think the majority of times that, you know, people are frightened by things moving or turning on or turning off, it's just our loved ones trying to let us know that they're here. Okay. Trying to get your attention, basically. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, go ahead, Annette. Oh, um, how about um, at the time um, a person dies, when they're actually having their last moments, mm-hmm. can you give us an idea of what a time frame is going on there? Um, as, as a personal issue, I lost my father at the top of June, and I was holding his hand and t- speaking to him the whole time and singing and you know, I, I knew, and I kept telling him, you know, my mom was already passed, and I kept saying, just when you see mom, you don't worry about us, you just go to her, you know. So I'm just curious what you, you know, what your thoughts are on um, the time frame. You know, a person kind of slips into a little bit of an unconsciousness, and maybe it's then they see the light, or can you maybe expound a little bit about that? Sure. Well, first I'd like to say I'm sorry for the loss of your father. Thank you. But he lived a good life and it was okay. <laughs> yeah, I've also had similar experiences and I've had the opportunity to be with people I cared about when they passed on. And 
in the book, this, this is also something that's talked about. Many times they know that death is coming, and by they I mean the soul. And they will actually leave the body right before it happens. And what that does is it saves the soul from trauma if it's going to be something violent. But if it's an issue of, you know, just old age, a failing body, or an illness or something like that, yeah. the soul has the ability to disconnect from the body. And, you know, there are stories, too, in the book, you know, the soul kind of lingers on the ceiling and knows what's going on. I don't know if that answers your question. Okay. I, I mean, yeah, I'm just curious about, the, you know, the time frame where, I don't know, did Dad hang around? Was he watching? Did he listen to me and just go straight on? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just curious about that time most, frame. Most of the time the soul does linger around the body even after, you know, even before the last physical breath, yeah. you know, the soul is still around and they are reviewing what's going on. Oh, interesting. Okay. But something interesting about that, too, and I've experienced this in my own regressions, which I never thought I would have and I was very surprised to experience. Mm -hmm. It's a sense of detachment. It's not emotional. It's not like how we feel, you know, when we're here when someone dies, you know, very emotional, grief stricken. It's not like that. It's a very detached, kind of just like you're watching TV. Oh, I'm sure. There's no pain associated with that. What causes souls the most pain is when there are people who are still here that don't want to let go, and then they stay around instead of going on. Right. That's that's a lot of the near-death experiences where people say they actually left their body, mm-hmm. and their or their souls left their body, and they're watching what's going on. You know, people trying to save their lives, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right. And they're told to go back. So um kind of sounds like it falls under that category, mm-hmm. that type of... Uh, well, absolutely, and it talks about in the book, too, that even though the soul has left the body, the, the energy imprint of that soul is still with that physical body. And also in the way of integration with birth, you know, it's not an immediate process. The soul has to integrate and lower its vibration to accommodate the physical body, the physical mm-hmm. form. So, you yeah. know, it's, it's like a transformation in the beginning. You live it, you go through it you know, try and do what you're supposed to. And then at the end, it's another transition of detachment to go where you need to go. Annette, we're having problems with you tonight. Yeah, in fact, a little, did you, can you hear me now? Yeah, I hear you. A you, little you message told- came on and said, we're sorry, but Blog Talk Radio is experiencing an error. Please hang up and try your call again, and then it cut me off. So, I don't know. Wow. Huh. It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's the spirits, huh? <laughs> I hope so. I love you too, guys. <laughs> it also talks about in the book, which I found very interesting, the description of suicidal. Um, it's not a subject brought up too much. And it's more or less that, uh, that it, tell me if I'm right, Anne, by your experience and by what you've read. It's more or less... The mind is see the the mind and the soul are wired together basically, right? And the mind is actually kind of s- short circuited where the soul can't handle with it with the soul's energy, right? Right, and basically the soul has taken the out then that yes. way. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, so it's um. And it's, you know, and, and too, this is something that also um, ties into a lot of people's faith. You know, a lot of faiths believe that suicide is wrong, and if you do commit suicide, you're going to hell. And, you know, that can cause a lot of distress for the loved ones who are left behind. 
Mm-hmm. And what this book shows with that is that it's not considered some horrible thing. You know, they realized that it was a very strong cry for help once that soul has passed on to the life between life period. And, and there they get the support and the cleansing that they need is, is what this book talks about. Yeah. And it also talks about that a soul will not leave a body and another soul enter it. It's um, impossible, right. Yeah, right. yeah. And again, that these are, you know, this is not just one person's claim. This is something right. that's been validated by several different experiences by, you know, hundreds and thousands of people. Just like, um, at least by the one book anyway, I've read, you've read more of them, that um, there's no such a thing as possessions neither. Right. Um, yeah. Of souls right. being, pos- of a body being possessed by an evil spirit. And, you know, uh, they're... Um, there's a, a section in this book about astral planes. A lot of people who are into metaphysical pursuits and meditation and things like that are scared off of astral travel, you know, which we know is being, you know, kind of like a, a conscious detachment from the body and we go and see other things, you know, remote viewing, you know, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that fear that, you know, I remember being a little girl and being told that, you know, when you sleep, you, your spirit comes out of your body and if you're not careful, something else will take it over, and you won't yeah. be able to get back in. And so yeah. for me, you know, that has been a, a very a very big stigma attached to, you know, deep meditation and things like that. And that's, a, a, you know, a fear that a lot of people have, that they can be taken over by another energy. And this book shows us that that's not the way it works. How long it's, would you How long would you say... A person, let's say a person came to you. Mm-hmm. How many sessions would it take to get an individual to this, this state of uh, awareness? Uh, you can actually do it in one session, but the, um, the trick is you have to take them through the deepening techniques and the relaxation for roughly about an hour to get the, you know, the physical body and the conscious and the subconscious to a place where it will enable this kind of contact. So it can be done in one session by someone who you know, is skilled. They don't necessarily have to be a hypnotherapist, but part of the hypnosis training is to receive training in regression. And, you know, that's not the focus of past life or anything like that. Sometimes people just need to be regressed to, you know, different periods in their life now for whatever reason. And sometimes Mm -hmm. the regression is spontaneous. Sometimes people go there without any direction. Hmm. Right. Do they go in any direction based on where they think they need to go? Uh, to yes. experience and uh, to get help? Yes. Sometimes um, with the spontaneous regression, the purpose of that is, you know, their soul knows what they need to, to see or experience or feel at that point, and that's, it's just like an automatic. You know, it's not like, okay, you're going back through this life. What were you before? It's not that kind of thing. It's like you get the person, you know, their conscious and their subconscious mind in a certain state, and just, bam, it opens up, and that's where it goes. Wow. It's, it's very interesting. You must know a lot about humans, <laughs> just about in all aspects. <laughs> well, I, I don't know, you know, by a lot by, by any terms. I do think that these kinds of subjects are very interesting because they do shed so much light on muddy areas, areas that are susceptible of stigma that make people feel bad. And that's not, you know, that it's, when we read or are told something, it should be inspirational and positive. It should not be something that makes people afraid. What well, would the way you, say you presented, Anna, is so calm. That's really great. <laughs> what would you say to a skeptic that says, eh, hogwash? 
try it. I never thought that I could be regressed as a therapist. You know, I'm kind of stubborn like that. And when mm-hmm. I did, you know, I, was, I was shocked, surprised, and very pleased, and it absolutely changed my perspective on everything. You know, some people believe that, okay, this person might be having a regression experience, but it's not real. It's all make-believe. The kinds of, of documentation that we have with regard to the subject show too many similarities for it to all be made up or imagination. You know, just that idea in itself shows how interconnected we all are on a soul level. Does it at times make people more, what can I say, spiritually connected when they, um, when they're, does it provide them abilities once they come out of it? Let's. Um, abilities in what kind of way? Uh, spiritual connections. Um, I um, guess. Well, with some... that, a lot of us believe that we don't have it, and mm-hmm. that it's something that just came about, or we developed this, or we developed that. I really believe, you know, having been very skeptical, you know, very logical, I needed something tangible to hold in my hand to understand and believe. You know, these kinds of things show us that that awareness and all of these wonderful gifts that we can't hold in our hand but are always present, it's always there. It's just realizing it and grabbing hold of the connection that's presented to us, you know, every minute of our lives. And again, because I've often heard, I've often heard it said that when someone has a near death experience, let's say, that they can come back with a sixth sense. Right. Um, I have a belief about that actually. Yeah, I believe that we all have certain abilities and we all have certain gifts. It's just sometimes when we are, have the ability to experience that other side, again, as a reminder, it allows us to be who we were meant to be without all of the, you know, self-conscious stigma, all that stuff. You know, we're given something that's more tangible with our experiences with a near-death experience. And it enables us to open up and embrace, basically, you know, those talents and abilities that are not normal not normally expressed, but everyone has some kind, you know, everybody has gut feelings or, you know, things like that. So I believe, again, that that's something that's there. It's just, you know, the transition with the near death enables people to open up to it. Sort of like being on a sunny beach with your eyes closed. Just because your eyes are closed and they're dark and all you see is darkness, it doesn't mean that there's not something beautiful and wonderful waiting for you to open your eyes to see. Right. What also is amazing, and I believe I've read this right, is this ain't the only world. Right, right. And that can be a tough concept to wrap your mind around, absolutely for sure. And, you know, like the idea of multidimensional living, I mean, that seems really crazy. But the more you learn about it, if you're curious to try and validate it, the more validation you get. And, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine, but, you know, going back to what's in this book, these are experiences that people are all having that have strong, strong validation, and it just can't be ignored. Yeah, yeah. Can, can lifetimes run into each other? What do you mean? Oh, you know, my other lifetime living in Albuquerque meets up with each other on the road somewhere. Uh, no I, way. I, you know, it's a possibility, but would I don't we know. recognize it, that that's another part of ourselves? I don't think so. We might think that person is a soulmate, maybe. I mean, that's definitely a good question. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we met ourselves in 3D form, a part of ourselves, what would we think? Would we instantly dislike them? <laughs> right. <laughs> or would we be like, oh, this is, you know, the best person I've ever met? <laughs> but basically you can you can meet a soul that you had 
past contact experience. with in the past life. Yes, or somebody from your soul group. And in those instances, there is evidence that shows people immediately feel an instant familiarity with somebody. And I'm sure that's happened to probably everyone listening tonight. You know, mm-hmm. you meet somebody, you feel like you've met them before, you have really great vibes about them. And, you know, that can be substantiated, absolutely. The funny thing is some people, you know, if you bring it up to them, they'll like, nah, you know, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll back away from you. And right, it's like, right. Because they're afraid it's something that they don't understand or something that maybe has some negative stigma attached to it. <clears throat> and there is such a thing as old soul, young soul, new soul, uh, yes. middle of the road soul, you know. Yes, and there's also and souls that, have, that are, you know, technically old but are not evolving and they're still considered young. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I've come across a f- couple, a few of those in uh, my readings. And uh, basically, I look at the subconscious hand, and I able for whatever reason tell them if they're a young soul, so middle the road, so right. It, and, and again, that doesn't necessitate one is any better than the other. You know, we're all on the same path, and we'll get where we need to be eventually. Yeah, but an old soul should have a little bit more knowledge, internal knowledge, if right. they could tap into it, than right. the young soul who's still learning. Right. Um, yeah. Well, I've heard a young soul as described even here on our show as, you know, when you when your soul starts out, it's mostly about just survival. That a lot of what they might consider a young soul might be in a position in a lifetime like in a third world nation or something like that where their main their main thing is just survival as a human being. Have you ever heard that, Anne? Um, I have heard that. I have heard that. Um, what this book talks about in the way of young souls is most of the time with young souls, they have a very difficult time um, living in conjunction with the human body because of the way that our the human brain is. It's just very difficult, and sometimes it takes many, many lifetimes to integrate a good connection between a soul and a body. And, you know, it also talks about that, you know, sometimes a body is not as well matched to a soul as it's supposed to be in that we have a choice before taking a body. You know, we have a choice between A, B, C, or D, and each one is different and presents a different opportunity for us to meet challenges or goals that we wish to on our, you know, evolution. So that's definitely very interesting. That's that's usually where the bad people come from are the ones that can't adapt. Yes, and it does talk about that at length in the book. You know, people who, you know, commit heinous heinous crimes and, and hurt other people you know, not just, you know, petty things like stealing a candy bar from a store. I mean, these are people who wreak havoc and cause a lot of pain and, and terror, you know, throughout their lifetime. You know, I prefer to think of it as a young soul versus a wise soul. I think that a lot can be said for wisdom, and not only the way you live your life, but how you positively affect other people. And I think, you know, having wisdom kind of brings with it that ability. What would Tell you us the s- name of the book again. It is by Dr. Michael Newton. Uh, Destiny of Souls, New Case Studies of Life Between Lives. And he also has a website, um, the Newton Institute for Life Between Lives Hypnotherapy. And that's at www.spiritualregression.com. Thank you. I know where Annette's going. <laughs> Tomorrow. I'll be up all night. Since you do um, past life readings, how do you think that your experiences tie into the topic of the evening? 
Well, um, the way I do a past life reading is I throw rune stones. And it was, you know, when I first came upon it, it was one of those things that was my husband bought me a book. And it just, evolved, you know, how to read these stones. And it just, like, went bing. It just was meant for me to do that. And um, the way I do it is I have people throw the stones themselves. And I first look at the pattern and then read how the stones are moving in that pattern. And I find a lot of times people are either really interested in it because they want to associate something that's going on in this current lifetime uh-huh. or that they're just really, you know, want to be entertained right. <laughs> and find out, you know, what cool thing happened to them in their past life. Um, so some people take it very seriously and others take it very lightheartedly. Um, and I, what the, all these things that we're talking about tonight are things that when people really get want to know in depth about my opinion or about what I think that past life meant um, and what they may have learned from it. Did they have to um, do a redo? You know, those kinds of things. That, that all comes up in a past life reading. Wow. That's wonderful. So, yeah. And whether I'm dead on accurate with... I'm terrible with history. I tell people right up front, you know, <laughs> this, what was happening 100 years ago, there's where you were, you know. Um, but I, I think that the gist of it, you know, I can't say you were Cleopatra, but I could say, you know, I'll give you an, a sketch of what your life was and the people that were surrounding you and things that were that conflicted, whether there was, was war or depression or was hunger or, you know, those kinds of things. Wow. So, so, what, so, so your past life readings with the runes is, is pretty in-depth then. It does get pretty in-depth, absolutely. That's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Now, do you find a lot of people walk away with a different perspective? I think they do, especially those that ask a lot of questions about past lives in general. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They, they walk away thinking, hmm, <laughs> there's something new I didn't know before. Wonderful. And are more open-minded then. That's why it's so important. That's why I mentioned it earlier about just the fact that it's presented mm-hmm. just opens your mind more to having your soul be able to evolve. Absolutely. So. Well, Ann, I want to say thank you for being on the show tonight. Well, we thank got you about, for having me. About two minutes left. Um, I know Annette, I enjoyed it. I know Annette enjoyed it. Oh, yes. And thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, guys. I hope our listeners enjoyed it. And give your website one more time. www.brightenyourlight.com. Okay. Um, I'm sure we'll create a link to it in the very near future, within the week or so. And uh, listeners, I want to say thank you. Uh, Got a minute remaining. I want to finish this with, I've been in the stores um, lately, and as the ladies could confirm, there's a bunch of Christmas stuff up, Christmas songs. It almost moved me to tears one day this week when I heard the songs because I realized the fact that is this year, you know, you read about it in the paper and that, that a lot of people are financially hurting. And it's not the adults that are hurting. It's going to be the children. So if you see the little kid in 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 the shopping cart or whatever, he may not be getting much for Christmas. She may not be getting much for Christmas. But look him in the eyes and give him a smile. Because you know what? They might be the nicest gift they have. Ed, you're the sweetest. (laughs) Well, that's what I feel. That is so true. That is true. 
And with that, I want to say good night, Annette. I'll call you in a couple minutes. And, Ian, thank you again. Oh, thank you. And listeners, we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you very much. And good night.